0: Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael.
1: EDM has exploded in the past few years in America, right? It used to be this underground seed, and now it's a generational movement. It's worth over $6 billion today. As it started to grow around me, I noticed that all the journalists started to rephrase their questions to me. No longer did they want to know about my experiences as a music producer and as a DJ. They wanted to know what it was like for me as a female music producer and as a female DJ. And at first, I dismissed this um, and just put it aside as lazy. They didn't have the time or the effort to look up anything about me. But as EDM continued to blossom, it continued to happen. I watched as the number of female artists participating remained roughly the same. And soon, everyone was asking these questions. Where are the female DJs? And at a certain point, I was forced to admit that there was a very real problem that I was never aware of before, despite the fact that I had my fingers in almost every aspect of the industry. Consider these numbers. 91% of the music that is on EDM labels is produced by men. 9% 9% is produced by women. The DJ Mag Top 100, which is a list that's generally regarded to gauge the popularity of artists within the EDM community, featured two female artists this year. Ultra Music Festival, which is one of the more popular EDM festivals in the U.S., had 5% of their lineup occupied by women artists out of over 150 acts. And if we look at festival lineups as far back as 2004, That number has stayed about the same. The participation of women on festival lineups remains between five and 10%. That's not a gender gap, it's a canyon.
2: That is, of course, a clip from Dani Dial, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, from a TED talk which she gave, which was talking about the struggles of women in EDM and dance music and DJing and the industry at large. Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. Trip and Tony, my co-hosts, are taking the day off as we discuss this hot-button topic, which is a little bit controversial depending on what your view of the state of the industry is. So I realize that this is a bit of a polarizing topic, and that's okay. What I do know is that no matter where you draw the line, there is definitely a distinction between how people perceive male and female artists in the industry and the amount of women who, are, who seem to be participating or at least who seem to be visible in the scene. Being a male DJ myself, it's easy for me to not necessarily see or understand or know what all these issues are. And so after discussing it with the guys, we decided to bring in an expert on the subject, a female DJ herself, who is just a super awesome person and we've had her on the show before, we're super glad to talk to Kilma, So we're going to bring her on here in just a moment. But uh, the first thing I did when preparing for this episode was I just kind of sat and evaluated, you know, thought about it. Have I ever seen this? Is this an issue in my town locally? And rather than just trying to conjure up an answer, I decided, well, why don't I ask those people who are in my network who might have something to say about this? And so I reached out to Uh, A few female DJs who are personal friends of mine, one being my friend Susan, who DJed here in Dayton as Mistress, and I am reading these responses with permission. I have another coming up later in the show from a friend who is known around here as Lady Bandit. And what I asked was, Do you ever feel advantaged or disadvantaged as a DJ because you're a woman? Here's Susan's response. I started playing drum and bass in 1999. Looking back, I don't remember feeling disadvantaged as a DJ because of being female. Early on, I felt as though I had to earn a spot on a lineup at a party in a time slot based on my experience and skill. As I played out more often and my skills improved, I got more gigs and better time slots, which was exactly how I felt it should be and how I ran my own parties as a promoter. At times, I felt as though part of my draw was just because I was a female DJ. Maybe this was me perceiving things incorrectly. But at any rate, this was frustrating to me. I had studied music since age 6 and was finishing a degree in music education. I wanted to be respected as a musician with at least decent mixing skills and a great track selection. And have that be my draw, as opposed to it just being, quote, hot that a girl was spinning records. DJing was a hobby for me, never intended to be a main source of income or a full-time career, so ultimately it wasn't too big a deal. I tried to use it as a positive and hoped that even if I drew a crowd just because of being female, they would become a fan after hearing my set. So her approach was, yes, I think I saw some of it, but I tried to spin it and use that. And I think that's a very positive approach, but what other issues do women run into in this industry? This is something that I can't personally speak to. And so... Hopefully, those of you who are listening, whether you agree or disagree with everything being said, all I ask is that you listen to this with an open mind and an open heart, because it's hard to get around the fact that there's definitely a divide, and there's definitely an underrepresentation of women, and we would just like to figure out why that is. And so to that end, let's get to our friend, Kilma. Hi, Kilma. Welcome back to the Passionate DJ Podcast.
3: Ah, thank you for having me again.
2: So it's good to hear from you. It's been it's been a little while since you've been on the show. Probably a good ten or twenty episodes. Yeah. So we need fun. to we need to fix that.
3: Yes. We do. <laughs>
2: So, Kilma is a uh, a, a frequent contributor to Passionate DJ. She's written for the blog. She's been on the podcast once or twice. She's submitted various segments and has a lot of great things to say about the DJ industry. What have you been up to lately, Kilma? What's going on in your world just as far as DJing and music and life?
3: Ah, life. I am currently creating life. So that's been a fun journey.
2: <laughs> I was going to ask if I was allowed to spill the beans on that.
3: Yeah, yeah of course. Um, so congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because, um, you know, a lot of the times we think, like, how can we be passionate DJs and run our passion when we have children and families and work? And I've got to say, uh, pregnancy is pretty interesting because it's kind of forced me to slow down and use my energy more wisely so i've seen a plus side to it
2: how long until uh, this new bundle of joy comes into the world
3: oh about two to three months so Uh somewhere coming up fast yeah whenever it's done cooking
2: (laughs) (laughs) do you think this is going to be a third generation dj
3: we will definitely leave some opportunities for them to check out DJing if they dig it. Cool if not, that's all good too.
2: <laughs> awesome answer. So, what brings you here today and what brings Kilma uh, let me try that again. What brings Kilma on the show? Me and the guys, we uh, the guys being Tony and Tripp, my co-host. He kind of talked about wanting to do this topic about various gender-related issues in the DJ space and in the electronic music industry at large and the kind of struggles and things that women run into when it comes to this whole thing. And we spent a lot of time and I'm sure that you're aware of this because I kind of obviously had some anxiety about approaching this topic because Mm -hmm. it's something that I want to to make sure that we approach in a very respectful way and is not something that is, um, Three white dudes sitting around speculating about what <laughs> struggles women have in the industry, right, so I kind of went back and forth on how we wanted to proceed and and obviously we wanted to get a more qualified opinion for this, and you were the first person that came to my mind because this is something I know that's close to your heart for many reasons, and I'm sure that you have a lot to share on this subject and so as much as you want to take over this show <laughs> like this is this is guest host Kilma so because there are a lot of you know when we approach topics like this especially coming from somebody who is i guess the majority representation in our scene i don't necessarily see or recognize or acknowledge maybe all of the different issues that Are really out there when it comes to sexism and misogyny and even though i may not feel you know myself personally and i'm sure other people feel this way might not feel like i have that that doesn't mean that it's not there and that it hasn't influenced influenced us in certain ways because this stuff tends to be very subtle a lot of the times right Mm -hmm. so the first thing i want to ask you is what are the struggles that women have in the music industry and especially with, with DJing as it relates to us. And yeah, what are the general problems associated with that?
3: Yeah. I think, uh, one of the big issues is denial. Um, the ability for people to admit that there is in fact an issue going on, uh, because like you said, like when you're not experiencing it or you're not seeing it, it can be really easy for us to think, Hey, it's not really, Happening is it? Like I don't notice that happening. Right. One of my really good friends um, was mentioning some of the racism that he was experiencing, and I remember at that time thinking, "What? I n- I never see racism." And it it was just it was an interesting experience for me because um, you know as a cisgender white female there are certain privileges that I have that I don't even realize experience of a black man or an indigenous woman is going to be so different from me and with the age of social media we're seeing more and more of these topics get brought up and sadly that are most influential in making friends continue to deny what's going on
2: you know it's one of those if i don't see it it's not there kind of things i think for a lot of people and I was kind of thinking earlier, you know when it comes to to race, for example, mm-hmm. you know the the common kind of um, bad argument that gets brought up over and over again is I'm not racist, I have plenty of black friends or I have plenty of Hispanic friends, you know the kind of the stereotypical response yeah, absolutely you, you can you can bring that into the the gender scenario as well and say, well, I'm not sexist, I married a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, that's just not how it works, right? You I can love there women.
3: are Right.
2: There are plenty of sexist married people who, quote, like women, right? So, the, the issues aren't always so black and white as that. And so, I, I want to talk about some of that nuance, you know? What, what kind of things do maybe men and women say or do that uh, might be oppressive in nature that we don't even realize?
3: Uh, Definitely dismissal of situations um, or questioning one's experience. So uh, that whole, oh, you think you had a bad day? Wait until you hear about mine. You know, a woman expresses this is something that she's dealt with, and maybe a guy turns around and says, oh, well, you think that's bad? You know, I also experienced this thing. Or even just other women saying, well, I haven't experienced that, so it's not really happening. So maybe they are in denial, they're experiencing it, but they don't know what it looks like. Because like you said before, it's very subtle. You know, somebody is well-intentioned, but they don't realize it's sexism um, because they're just thinking of the hostile end of the spectrum.
2: Could you maybe take us to a time where you've experienced something that was very clearly in your eyes, some kind of bias or sexism against you? as it relates to you being active in the music scene?
3: Yeah, Uh, one like more recent situation that happened that, you know, again, seemed like very innocent. I was running a club night. I I had like picked up a speaker to put it on its platform. And the guy I was running the night with my hand, let him do it and gave it to uh, one of the other gentlemen that was helping us with sound for the evening. The guy he handed it to is actually quite a bit smaller than me, totally capable of holding the speaker. But it was just that, dude, like I can handle this. Just because I'm in a cute dress and I'm a girl, doesn't mean I'm not capable of setting up the sound. I've been doing this for 10 years. And even friend, the friend, the guy doing the sound for that night, and he's like, you go to the gym and you lift weights, and people know this, and I'm smaller than you, like I don't <laughs> understand why this guy just like ripped this out of your hand and gave it to me. like, yeah, <laughs> I so know
2: sort of that uh, oh, oh, honey, let me handle that sweetheart yeah that, that sort of thing.
3: Yeah. even just those subtle comments when you're working as a professional and somebody mentions that they think you're sexy or physical attributes where you're like, you know, my boss doesn't even say these things. Like, this is supposed to be a professional (laughs) environment. And for whatever reason, you know, some men just say these things. They don't think about, hey, maybe she might consider that sexual harassment. They think, oh, well, it's just a compliment. It's like, you know, telling a married woman that you think she looks sexy And you're working with her professionally, that's crossing the line. So sometimes, again, it's just those subtle remarks. And, you know, when you mention, hey, that's kind of inappropriate, you get a lot of, Dean, it's not a big deal. I would never tell a guy I was working with that I thought he was sexy. Like that just, that just seems really inappropriate to me.
2: Do you feel that women are underrepresented when it comes to EDM or dance music or the DJ scene, as it were, do you feel that there's an underrepresentation of women? Because that's something that I hear a lot. There's just aren't that many.
3: Well, if you look at a lot of the stats, um, it would appear they are underrepresented. There are a few festivals that have been really good about making a more equal lineup. Um, There's actually one more recently where it's actually all... Females, from the sound engineers to the security guards and the talents. And they're oh, wow. trying to r- raise awareness about getting more women involved, not just talent, like as far as music, but the entire aspect of the show to get more women interested in this. And there, I would definitely say there women are underrepresented. A lot of the times I hear people say there's not a lot of female DJs. Well, actually, if you look up female DJs. There's quite a few out there. Um, I think that there are certain women that might become more popular because they are showcasing themselves in the way that a lot of men are marketing their products or when they're being promoted. Sometimes it's less about empowerment and more about objectification.
2: Using the female form to sort of sell their product or their brand, sex sells, that kind of thing. Is that what you're speaking to?
3: To some degree, yes. Uh, A lot of the female DJs that we think of, if we don't know of the many women that are already out there producing music and talented and all across the world, a lot of people that are uh, just starting to listen to a lot of electronic music, they think of Paris Hilton and Juicy M and... A few more glamorized women, Mm -hmm. which, again, is totally fine if that's the way they want to brand themselves. There's nothing wrong with that.
2: Well, let let me just come straight out and ask you, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about using that kind of imagery, uh, sexy imagery, not necessarily pornographic or anything extreme, Mm -hmm. but using the female form or the male form even, Mm -hmm. um, using, you know, sexy photos or innuendo to sort of sell a product or an event or something like that? How do you feel about that in general?
3: I think that when men do it, nobody really says much about it, right? They use a sexy girl in their rap video. They maybe are putting on a club night and it's free ladies before, you know, 11 or women drink for free in Vegas. And, you know, it's that whole sex appeal. Guys come out, there'll be some sexy girls and maybe you'll get laid. It's just this there's the sleazy end of it where women are just objects and they're literally just being used in this marketing to gain momentum. Um, and then there are women that are taking control of their brand and they're saying, hey, you no, know, if that's the kind of marketing you're doing, I might as well empower myself. I might as well use my own image and do this. And I think that that is totally up to them. And I would rather a woman do that because she wants to, because she feels empowered, because she feels good about what she's doing, rather than feel pressured to do that. Because sometimes the women that get into this industry are pressured to go a route that they're not really very comfortable with. And that's unfortunate. But I think that women should be able to promote their brand in a way that they feel good about, whether that means they're wearing not very many much clothes or you know they're dressed in ballroom gowns it's totally up to the individual i just think that we have to be respectful of other people and i don't really think it's respectful to objectify another human to push your brand so i think that's why when women are doing it i'm like yeah of course like Of course they'd be doing this. Like, guys are already doing this.
2: So it's kind of a double standard setup where it's okay for for men to use that type of imagery but not women to use it on themselves or as themselves.
3: It would appear so. And it's funny because a lot of the times when people tag me in these videos, and I wrote an article about it, where it's like, oh, check out this topless female DJ. You know, she's the reason you're having difficulty. And it's like, no, this isn't the reason that I have difficulty. It's because... You know, you think that she has like these mystical powers to manipulate (laughs) men. (laughs) And so you feel threatened. I don't feel threatened. If you were truly so upset about women doing this, then you would be upset about all of the marketing out there. Right. Whether it was a guy or a girl. So I just, I call total BS on that When They're like, yeah, of course. (laughs) Like, no, I've never seen you post anything on your Facebook about, being upset about a guy objectifying a woman. So,
2: that's a good point. And I think I understand where you're coming from on that because even though I don't understand it from a gender type of or that's not really the angle I'm taking here, but let's say um just a DJ who plays a kind of music that I just really don't like or is bad at what they do or holds some kind of um homophobic stance or, you know, whatever it is, if they hold that it means nothing or says nothing about me or who I am or how I DJ or what I represent. So in all fairness, I would only assume that that, you know, is kind of a universal thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like just because one woman does something doesn't mean she represents all women. So just because I dated a couple jerks, doesn't mean that all men are jerks. It's, they represent themselves and nobody else.
2: I, I'm sure that I'm not the first person to have this conversation with you. So, what kind of questions make you cringe? What 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 could I ask you? And and this is I'm sure you're laughing because we had a little bit of a talk about this, to where yeah. we talked about maybe I would just come in and act like I was completely ignorant and just <laughs> try to say all the wrong things on purpose. But I figured I didn't want all the hate mail from people who didn't get it. So,
4: <laughs>
2: but what? Uh, I guess what I'm getting at is is some of that nuance. Let's say, you know, I come to you, you know, we've never met before, and you're talking about these issues. Give me some common ones. You know, what do I say that I feel is completely innocent that just makes you cringe?
3: Oh, what are the advantages of being a woman in a male-dominated industry?
2: Ah, so... Kind of uh, the implication is that you you are not re- operating under your own merit, but you have an advantage because um, you have boobs or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever their assertion is.
3: Yeah, because the reality is, any like advantage is mostly because women have been oppressed and objectified. So how is it an advantage? for somebody to want to book me because they think I'm a cute DJ. Like that just, that's going to make me feel like crap. I want to hear how talented they think I am or how they love my music selection or how they really dig the vibe that they get on, uh, you know, through my articles or, you know, just something that is unrelated to my gender. Yeah, so when somebody is like, what are the advantages? Well, I can tell you the advantages of being a white woman. I can tell you the advantages of being cisgendered. But as far as being a woman, like, other than being able to be a part of empowering, um, you know, all female rosters, like, I'd rather do an all female show that brings love and lights and people that are feeling inspired rather than, oh, my God, cute girls. <laughs> so, yeah, that advantage question is, it's a tricky one. And it's, you know, it's that innocent. I would love if people asked men, what do you think the advantage of being a dude in a male-dominated industry is? Like that. I'm well, like everyone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one questions me. I, I can wear, like, whatever T-shirt, and no one's like, oh, my God, a b-neck
2: there's like <laughs> so one of the things that i want to ask that i want to make sure i ask in the right way and i i'm sure that you you're aware that we're gonna come across some kind of hard questions and i yeah. hope that they come across the way that i intend them to let's let's take a similar parallel that let's take it out of the dj world for a second and just mm-hmm. talk about at large the gender wage gap there are a lot of schools of thought on that to where, okay, here's a hard number. Women make X amount of dollars on X amount, you know, percentage on every dollar as compared to men. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other school that says, well, if you account for all the factors and maternity leave and the jobs that women take and blah, 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 it's actually, you know, some much less, you know, negligible number. Mm -hmm. Personally, I don't feel like I'm, in any kind of position to actually make a statement on what that is. But I assume that the correct answer is somewhere in the middle of that, right? Mm -hmm. Which means uh, there's a problem, right? There's some kind of gap. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And I think that... Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, so if you take that, you know, and and we're just talking, that's kind of a universal thing that's happening, you know, Mm -hmm. if you take that and then... We talk about something like uh, a music industry or EDM or dance music or DJs. Now we're basically just talking about a microcosm, you know, just a little subset of what's already happening, you know, in the world at large. Except, you know, in the real world, it's just about even men and women. That's not seemingly the case when it comes to DJing and music festivals and at least as far as the Artists and and stuff go. So what I think probably tends to happen is we say, yeah, there are are issues, but there are sexism issues anyway. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that, yeah, but if you take that and then you have like 90% of the people are men, then all those issues are probably amplified, right? Because now now those issues exist and you're way, way underrepresented. Mm Mm-hmm. So
3: Well, it's getting into an industry where, you know, a lot of people think that women aren't into it because, oh, well, w- women don't like math and science or they don't want to become engineers and they want beauty products, right? right. So it's it's like getting into a field that's male dominated for gender norm, that push um, that men are often encouraged into, and then women, when they are in something that a lot of men are into, it's like, oh, you know, that's not common. There's not a lot of women that are interested in that. Um, Even a lot of women don't think women are into becoming music engineers.
2: So you're made to think that that you're a a bandwagon kind of person is as opposed to this is something you actually care about or interested in or or are good at you're just hopping on the train
3: sometimes i remember my first introduction it looked really cool i was like can i try and the guys are like it's too technical for you like they just automatically assumed like i just wasn't going to be in it it's interesting because danny i don't even know how to say your last name you know how to say your last name? Danny D? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm not sure either.
3: <laughs> when she did that TED Talks and she was trying to research, like, why are there not more women in the industry? There was a few ideas that, oh, you know, girls aren't into this stuff. And, and when they do finally get into the industry, they deal with all of the sexism, the harassment, the bullying And yeah, that question of are you really into it or do you just kind of like being in the spotlight or is this just a phase?
2: So it's not very welcoming because once it's already male-dominated and then you you come into that scene and suddenly you have all those issues that you deal with probably anyway, um, amplified and maybe roadblocking everywhere you go, uh, that's got to be frustrating.
3: Yeah, and you know what? It depends where you grow up. It depends on... Uh, the people around you, because some women will say, like, "Oh, the men were super supportive to me," or, you know, I was always introduced to video games and trains and Barbies, and like I was into a lot of different stuff. So when you grow up in a an environment where you're allowed to do whatever you feel like doing, and you don't get those gender norms pushed on you, it's no wonder a lot of the women that end up in music were also encouraged to be into a lot of different things. And even like what Danny was saying in her TED Talks about the research showing that there was literally no difference in the interest or competence in math and science for boys and girls. It was just that, you know, the teachers started showing more interest in helping the boys. And we see this a lot in school where women – Um, their education isn't always seen as important or as important as the boys. You know, suddenly Mm. they're the distraction from the men if they were spaghetti straps or if their skirts aren't a certain length, you have to go home or you have to cover up because the boys can't concentrate. So, and, and I think we see this reflected in music too, right? So the women come out and they're wearing cute outfits and, then we're, we're focused on what they're wearing and we're upset about what they're wearing because, oh, you know, these women, they're distracting the men and they're not noticing that she's not actually a good DJ. And it just goes on and on. So I think that this idea about women being interested in many different subjects and
1: activities, it, it starts so young. Great. Women are not interested in STEM-related fields. That's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Now before we go any further, I feel like it's important to clarify why electronic music production is actually a STEM-related field, because some people think that making music is just a creative pursuit. If I'm making a song, I go up to my office, I flip open my laptop, open Ableton, I make sure I have a couple of Red Bulls to the side, and then it's six to eight hours straight, me staring at the screen, Typing away, not just composing, but also being an engineer. Worrying about things like my EQ bands, making sure that my layers aren't phasing with each other, right? Thinking about my stereo field, making sure my hi-hats are sparkling at the outer edges of the spectrum. It's an unusual combination of art and science. I took a look at myself. I was my own case study. I grew up in a household where my parents didn't push male activities towards me or female activities. But they just exposed me to everything. They gave me the tools to pursue what I wanted, and here I was making electronic music and fully engaged in something that required STEM skills. This idea that women are not interested in technology, this is something that that persists, right, in our culture. And it's interesting that it does because we've disproven this a long time ago. This is not just one study that's been done. This is hundreds of studies, and studies done on aggregates of these hundreds of studies. As far back as 1967, and encompassing over 3 million subjects, the conclusion is always the same. The researchers never find any observable difference between boys and girls when it comes to math and science, great enough to create any statistical impact. Never. So it leads them to instead believe that the differences are societal, they're cultural, they're in our upbringing, they're environmental. What's especially interesting in all of this is that all of the women that I interviewed for this, they all echoed back this same idea. They all also believed that women were not interested in STEM, despite the fact that they were doing it themselves.
2: So I think, you know, part of the issue here is is acknowledging that there's an issue at all, right? And I'm sure that there's a number of different schools of thought, and I'm sure that there's there's probably, just statistically, <laughs> there's probably some good number of our listeners right now that are nodding their heads in agreement, and then there's some other percentage that's, you know, bashing their heads against the wall or something because they disagree, yeah. you know, and that's just how <laughs> issues like this go, right? But it's, it, it's like racism, homophobia, you know, anything like that, to where it's, on the, on the one hand, it's really easy for people who don't experience that type of oppression every day to just dismiss it and say, well, I don't do that and I don't see that, so it's not happening. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I guess, do you feel that this is a, a problem that just the men do or do you see this problem with other women in the industry?
3: Oh, absolutely, other women as well. Actually, a, and this one is super controversial.
2: You're going to get me I in was, trouble.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was watching the International Music Summit, and it was a panel of females in the industry, uh, Beatrice and Nicole...
2: Uh, Nicole Modaber, yeah.
3: Yes. They were in the, in the panel, and uh, there was a question that came up from another woman, and she's asking about just kind of how do we get past this? How do we get past this
0: sexism? I'll probably
3: play the clip for you guys.
0: I think there's still a lot of issues with um, within the DJ community, sorry. Um, I went to the IU Mag launch on Tuesday at the Ishwaya Tower. And Danny Rampling had done an amazing set with Iona, his wife. And they'd done a really good thing at the beginning of the night. And then once Darius Sorosian was on, it was probably about 11 o'clock, Iona went to go back on. And it was like there was this guy in a hat, one of the DJs, and he kind of looked at her like, what the hell are you doing? You're not meant to be doing this now. And I could just see from her face, it was just that kind of, well to be here. I'm I'm on the I'm on the lineup as well. And it was just that real thing of the male DJ kind of persona of no 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 you're not meant to be here. You're not meant to be here. You know, we're waiting for eats everything back to back with Pete Tong da da and it was just kind of that that male thing within the DJ community. They're kind of not accepting of females doing their thing yet. I don't know how we're gonna change that perception within the DJ community.
4: I don't understand it, sorry. It's, it's for, I know what you're talking about. Definitely. Um, I definitely understand what you're saying. It, it's happened to me before with uh, a male sound engineer at a gig or anything like that. Have you ever had that where the, you show up and the, the engineer is just like, I'm sorry, you're not a DJ. There's oh. no way that you are the DJ. And are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It, happens, it happened to me only a few <laughs> weeks ago. Not on my clock. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think it is, I mean, it is important for, for me to talk about that. You are very lucky that that's never happened. Um, you just don't allow it to happen. That's it. How do I do that?
3: By talking to the engineer and tell him, go back to your desk and do your so, job.
4: I've definitely done that. Definitely. <laughs> I've definitely called out my fair few of, of tech engineers. Um, but changing their opinion of of female djs of female artists i don 't i don 't know that's it 's up to the men to sort of sort that out themselves i think
0: but it, but it is really core cool to the point is that like, your response to that is Go and fucking tell him to sort it out. But not, but not, but, but, but not every button. woman, not every woman is you, and nor should every woman have to be. Every woman should be able to achieve what they want to achieve based on who they are and the talent they have rather than tell people to go fuck off, I've, right? I've seen the same problem happen to men. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You so know? everybody should be able so, to achieve whatever they want. You, you don't have to, There are some
1: people who need to be talked this way because they're not doing their job,
3: pe- period. Good. The way it came across when Beatrice was trying to explain her experience, it just sounded like Nicole completely dismissed her. Like this doesn't happen to me. Like I don't. I don't understand the question. Like I don't deal with this. And she's like, "Oh, that's great." But
4: <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: as I as I watched the clip, you know, and and I'm coming at this as a huge Nicole Madaber fan, yeah, right? We And. <laughs> so I'm watching it and I kind of like on the one hand I, I watch the clip and I having some context, I know how Nicole has that kind of very brash up front. This is what you get personality. And, but then, and so I kind of, even I found myself dismissing, not thinking much of it the first time I watch it. But as I go back and watch it again, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's very dismissive. It's, It's almost like she's saying, yeah, yeah, that's not really your experience or Mm -hmm. that's not everyone's experience. So it's not happening. And, you know, all the love in the world to Nicole. But I think that that that's maybe um, a little harsh. Maybe she should realize that, uh, you know, people have different experiences when it comes to this thing. And not everybody is Nicole, for one thing, who Mm -hmm. has that very confrontational, uh, extroverted you know, not everybody is that personality either, and so it's kind of not fair to just say, well, you just need to bully your way back through Mm -hmm. (laughs) all the hurdles, you know.
3: Well, and what V-Trait says earlier in that panel is that she used to do that. She used to be, like, you know, what people might think is bitchy, because if she was nice, they'd think she was flirting. So it's like, yeah, I might as well just think I'm a bitch and not assume that I got here because I'm Cute or flirted with somebody, and eventually, as she gained more popularity and was working in a a better environment, she's like, "Oh, I can be myself. I don't have to be that firm." And like the pan, um, the host of the panel said, "Like, we should be able to be who we are." And like you know, if Nicole wants to be that like firm, outspoken person, that's great. And if you want to be like a softer person, you know, you should still be respected. And that's the point. I I feel like we should be able to be respectful to one another and it not be this constant argument, like, (laughs) respect me. (laughs) Right. Beatrice also mentions, like, earlier in that conversation where she was told by a mentor not to acknowledge the gender issues going on. Because, you know, that whole... And I've experienced that too. Like you don't want to come off as oversensitive or like a victim. I'm not trying to come off as a victim. I'm trying to come off as a victor. I'm trying to say like this is how we can overcome it, but we have to acknowledge that it's happening.
2: Well, it kind of puts you between a rock and a hard place, right? Because you can't. You your choice is to either um, see all the problems and accept and deal with them, or to speak up and then now you're the squeaky wheel, right? So you can't mm-hmm. win.
3: That's why a lot of women don't come forward when they've experienced abuse or sexual harassment. There's a lot of self-victimized um, uh, blaming that goes on. Oh, maybe I drank too much, or maybe I said the wrong thing, and I led the guy on, or you know, I don't want to start a whole thing with the club owner and right. then not be allowed back in because I tell them my experience.
2: So we were talking a little bit earlier about the differences between, you know, how the perception on this whole issue might be different depending on how you were raised, where you were raised. I was kind of thinking about it before the show, thinking about what my experience and what I've observed here in in Dayton, Ohio, you know, kind of on the edge of the Bible belt, we're kind of a swing state, you know, so I... What is the climate for this like? So I, I kind of stopped and thought about it, and I'm like, well, definitely there are notably less female DJs in our local scene, right? Which I guess you would expect.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: But I was trying to think, like, do I, do I ever feel like I have I ever seen it? Mm-hmm. Know, have I ever seen uh, somebody taken advantage of because of their gender or? Um, talk down to or something like that and I, I couldn't really think of anything myself so I said well I need to I need to talk to the source right so um, mm-hmm. I spoke to my friend uh, her name's Beth she goes by Lady Bandit pretty well known around here uh, plays breaks and uh, on records and Nice. Uh, she's been been doing it for years and, and pretty well known around here and, and I asked if she ever felt like she was advantaged or disadvantaged as a DJ because of her gender. And at first she said she she's like, I don't really feel like I've had a disadvantage And then she said, um, well, actually it kind of sucks that if I have a request or require that a certain DJ or require certain DJ equipment to play on, I'm labeled as a diva or a bitch.
3: Mm. <laughs> and I
2: said really. Like that's surprising to me, you know, to to that somebody would do that, you know, that that it would, they would go as far as oh, you you require blah 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 equipment. Mm-hmm. Bitch, you know, like yeah. that seems crazy to me to but apparently that's something that, you know, that's something I would have never seen had I not asked the question right yeah um you know she said that it became like okay word is that i'm a diva now you know just because i didn't want to play on these particular vestax decks and it hurt her feelings and then she said that um also sometimes promoters would would book her more in hopes that she would sleep with them and she said that um she said, that's why I ki- I kept my sexual preference private, but I realized that I didn't really care to work with any promoters that were just trying to get laid or even close to me. After finally coming out years ago, I really didn't care to be associated with creeps like that just to get a gig. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to book me because they liked my skills and my music. You know, right away, just by me asking the question, you know, I started out with, well, I don't see that in my town. Mm-hmm. Well, it, there it is, the first person I ask, right? Yeah. So and go ahead, please.
3: That is so common. The diva, you know, I need a monitor on the left side. Well, you know, you can just use your headphones. Uh, I need a monitor <laughs> on the left side. Like, I see you bring monitors in for all the guy DJs. <laughs> <laughs> or like getting booked out of town. I remember this one time. I was literally the only one from my city like charging a decent amount and I had a contract and this is like this is quite a few years ago when I decided like I didn't want to get screwed out of money anymore especially for out of town shows and I was just protecting myself and uh, five days before the gig the promoter pulled out of the show and was like no we don't want her kind (laughs) so i was like whatever. That's fine. It sounds like it would have been awful anyways. And then sure enough, everybody from my city came back with this rumor that I was a rock star and I wanted a limo to bring me up to the festival. And I wanted like a fancy hotel and I was like, what? No, I asked for like just enough money to cover gas, food and the time off of work. It was like, it was nothing. And it just made me think like, you know, it's totally fine if other people don't want to charge their worth and or they want to do it for free, but to turn around and make allegations against other people and that diva rock star, it was just it was it was upsetting because it was a lot of my friends, it was a lot of people that I respected and you know, about a year later after a bunch of other people I guess, got screwed over by the promoter. They decided it wasn't very nice to have said those things in the first place. And sure enough, years later, I teach DJs how to charge their worth and how to negotiate. But at the time, it was just like, yeah, diva, thanks.
2: So as somebody, I guess, how can I be an adequate ally in this? And other people like me, what should we be doing as men in the industry and or even as as fellow women in the in the industry? How do you recommend that we proceed and handle issues like this?
3: Um I would say we should all educate ourselves, uh, learn about the history of sexism where where it stems from, how it's alive and well today. Um, review stats and studies if you need to about inequality and listen to the stories that uh, people are experiencing.
2: How do we tell the difference, and, and this is maybe a little devil's advocate, how do we tell the difference between uh, somebody who is being sexist or misogynistic and someone who's just a jerk, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like somebody who who would have said the same jerky things to me that they would to you right because uh, i i think that like i've experienced a lot of people who are pushy in in um in stuff in the same ways that you're describing other than the condescension part that comes with like some of them are obvious like oh sweetheart let me do that right kind yeah. of kind of comments right but some of them you know it's I, I just wonder if how much of it is sexism and how much of it is diva dj's being diva dj's
3: Okay, so how can we tell the difference between an actual diva and somebody that's not?
2: Now, how can you tell the difference between the... uh, I'm sorry. So, say you have somebody who is talking down to you because you're a female DJ. I'm just wondering if they're talking down to you because you're a female DJ or if they just talk down to people.
3: Right. Well, and that's a good question because it can also be somebody that's thinking that they're being innocent and they're not or... I would say asking questions is a really great way of kind of figuring out what's going on for that person because sometimes you realize that once you start asking these questions, it's not a gender thing. They are just genuinely a jerk Um, (laughs) or, or they just don't realize how ignorant they sound. So um, there's a really fantastic book called 10 terrific ways of dealing with toxic people. And it goes from everything from give them hell and yell to the calm questioning technique. And the calm questioning technique is a really great way of kind of gauging whether there's this person is a jerk or not. But if they become hostile, if they become defensive, um, then you can kind of figure out all right, this isn't really about me, or they have deeper issues. So I think asking questions.
2: I think that's a great answer. Uh, I think that, that asking questions is just about the best way to truth, no matter what the subject is. Yeah. Big fan of the Socratic method, right? Like just asking questions to get to the center of what's really going on. What about for our, our female listening audience who are DJs? How do you recommend that they handle situations like this? What if they run into this kind of conflict? Do you do you want to speak to that? Because I'm sure there's not any one way to handle it, but I'm sure there are a lot of wrong ways.
3: I, you know, it's amazing how many women are just even like well named or well known artists will reach out to you. Well like if you reach out to them, they'll they'll reach out back and they'll give you some really fantastic advice. Um, there are quite a few women in the industry that. Uh, I look up to or am friends with, and we have a lot of similar experiences and I definitely go to them when I am in need. And for sure, ladies, feel free to shoot me a message if you're dealing with any of this stuff and you're not quite sure how to deal with it. Um, it can be tricky because sometimes we might want to go to our male friends and if it's not their experience, it can be difficult for them to give us, um, give us advice that works for us. So definitely reaching out to other women that you find empowering, that are empathetic. Um, definitely, even if you're not talking to those women directly, you can find a lot of really fantastic uh, videos online, whether they're interviews or YouTube uh, channels, Stuff Mom Never Told You is one of my favorite Um, podcasts and uh, blogs online because she touches on so many different subjects um, and it's just like a lot of really empowering positive messages there on how we can all work together because a lot of the times we get scared about feminism (laughs) we think (laughs) like it's this scary bad thing where we hate men and that's just not the case Um, it's it's about creating equal opportunities for everyone, and um, it's important to find positive resources online uh, that are advocating for women, that are empowering women, so that when you do deal with those situations, you've got some knowledge, you've got some empowerment, and you've got kind of like a support team of people that are gonna back you up, um, whether that's online or being able to have somebody to talk to after having these experiences.
2: Kilma, if there are any women who would like to get in contact with you to ask for advice or to tell their story to you or to give their own thoughts on this subject, how can they get a hold of you?
3: I would love that if they got a hold of me. Um, You can email me. It's beats at kilmamusic.com if you tweet at me if you contact me on facebook i'm pretty good about answering my messages you can find me on facebook.com forward slash kilma music so k-i-l-m-a music or the website don't
2: so kilma the the microphone's open is there anything else you'd like to talk about where would you like to take the conversation from here is there anything else you'd like to cover anything that we've missed any stories you'd like to tell
3: Speaking of, like, the website and uh, blogs, I think a really fantastic way that we can actually make this a little bit more female-friendly is if we use gender-neutral pronouns, like when we're doing the blogs, when we're doing the the blogs, when you're doing the podcasts. Because I follow a lot of them, and they're giving tips to artists or producers, and it could be something from giving them advice on how to get the ladies on the dance floor,
2: Um, Ah, I see. Okay.
3: Yeah. Oh, you know, the other guys and the scene and blah, blah, blah. So for me, I even avoid using he slash she, and I just use them, their, they, just something like non-specific or titles like artist, DJ, producer.
2: So you might be talking to uh, event promoters and stuff now who uh, might be writing up blurbs and creating Facebook events and flyers and in conjuring up these event ideas.
3: Yeah. Or giving, or giving advice to DJs or just like talking about the scene in general. Cause like I said, I, I watch a lot of informative stuff online as far as DJs and producers. And I hear a lot of male pronouns and it's
2: just like, yeah. <laughs> we try to make a point of that on this show to, to say he or she or they yeah. uh, I'm sure that we don't catch them all and that, is probably part of my upbringing and all of our upbringings to where, you know, the, the generic he.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Even when I'm just talking about relationships online, I, I have to think like, well, there's so many different types of relationships. So instead of saying girlfriend and boyfriend, I end up right. saying partner, you know, instead of assuming a heterosexual relationship when I'm talking about one. But the only reason I'm even aware of that is learning more about the LGBTQ scene, right? So, as we educate ourselves, suddenly we become more aware of how we speak to
2: people. Kilma, I think that's all I had. Did you have any other anything that you'd like to promote?
3: Uh, so, the YouTube channel that I run, I actually just revamped it a little bit. Um, I've got the Ask Kilma questions where artists can ask me their questions about running their business as a DJ and, or they can send me topics for the DJ life series where I just talk about whatever, again, that they're looking to learn about. The latest one I did was um, negotiating a wage tomorrow launches the free Jane. So yeah, I've been working on the blogs and of course I've always got new blog articles coming out, different tips and tricks to, uh, get over those vibe-killing experiences and a successful
2: business. Well, Kilma, I know that you have a lot of new responsibility coming up in the next few months.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Congratulations once again. Once the dust settles from all that, uh, we would love to have you back on the show once again. It's good to hear from you again.
3: Thank you for having me. I was working on
2: the show. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on the Passionate DJ Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionate DJ or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. I
4: need
2: you.
1: I want you. But we do have some important role models. We have people like Annie Nightingale. And if you're not familiar within the EDM community, She is uh, in her 70s and she's been a presenter with England's Radio One since 1970. She's basically a pillar in our community. I spoke to Annie and I asked her what she tells young women who want to get into electronic music. And she said, it's up to the women to not conform to gender stereotypes. It's up to you guys to not conform to gender stereotypes. It's up to you to be strong enough to recognize that this is an illusion and to act differently. What I want people to walk away with is that we won't have more female artists participating in this arena until there are more female artists participating. And I know that seems kind of redundant and obvious, but it's a numbers game. We have to get more people involved from the get-go. So how do we do that? How do we get more women involved? We have to let them know that it's okay to act differently than what they're used to, that it's okay to say no to the messages that they've been told thousands of times throughout their lives. We have to unlearn in order to learn again. And that can be difficult. I'm sure some of you have heard, what's the worst that can happen if you ask? Someone says no. It's actually much, much more impactful than that if you rephrase it just a little bit. The worst that can happen if you don't ask is that you'll never know if the answer was yes.